Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to our show number 626. Well, we're live here, as you can tell. We're live at the third annual L.L. Bean Main Audubon Birding Festival. We're right inside the main entrance to L.L. Bean's flagship store in Freeport, Maine, here at the Outdoor Discovery Center. It's day four of a fabulous festival filled with bird-watching trips, kayaking excursions, raptor displays, and birding lectures, and young persons' bird-themed programs with Charlotte Wasilek host of the regular Talking Birds feature, Charlotte's Weblog. And guess what? She's right here with us. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning. How are you today? We're doing great. So uh, your home base is on the prairies of Alberta, Canada. Mm -hmm. So you are in really a whole new environment here. What's your first visit to Maine been like? Well, I've absolutely loved it. Uh, I've seen the Portland headlight and two lights. I've eaten some lobsters, so that's been... Uh, it's been an excellent time here. Lobster? I didn't know they had lobster here in Maine. <laughs> I was very surprised. Well, yeah. <laughs> you learn something when you come here. So, well, in addition to lots of birding, you can uh, tell us about you. You've had some great experiences teaching children here at the festival. What's that been about? Uh, well, L.L. Bean has had some programs earlier this week. Uh, their education programs with Maine Audubon to encourage kids and give them a better understanding of birds in the area and overall conservation measures. So you've been out there doing a lot of birding. I think you said you went on four bird walks yesterday. Sounds a little excessive, but... It was yeah. very good. We saw lots of great birds and heard some as well. Blackburnian warblers. We saw lots of indigo buntings and a ruby-throated hummingbird on the children's walk, which gave us some fantastic views. Okay, so some life birds uh, out in the ocean, out in the sea, on the offshore. Uh, I went out with Lori Gilman from L.L. Bean, and we were able to find some harlequin ducks and common eiders, which were all new for me. And then Doug Hitchcock and I went out, and he was able to find an Iceland gull. Uh, we saw some white wing and surf scoters, as well as roseate terns and least terns. So those were all new for me. Hard to find those scoters in Alberta, isn't it? It is, yes. They it's are like, trying to, it's are like trying to find lobster in Maine. It's, just, it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah, that easy. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much. Are you, are you going to do some more birding before you head back? I am. There is a trip out this afternoon, so I'm planning on going on that one. All right. Well, also with us this morning is L.L. Bean's Lori Gilman. We just heard her name mentioned a moment ago. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Ray. Lori is a retail events coordinator here at L.L. Bean in Freeport, Maine. And I understand, uh, Lori, that your job is to connect people with nature. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, my goodness, Ray, you know, that's where the birds are. Okay. Nature, 
our whole. I purpose, see you had this answer planned. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. the L, you know LLB really wants to get people connected with the outdoors. It's uh, there's there's a lot to see out there, and you know we got to get off our iPhones and get out and see see the real world. Um, so, but you know that's what we want. We want to do programming, and this birding festival is a great example of how we can get families outdoors. I hope she doesn't mind my saying this, but Charlotte, from whom we just heard, was just a kid when she first uh, connected with us on our show. And uh, so you guys at L.L. Bean really do put a big emphasis on kids learning about nature, right? We try. It's, uh, yeah, this, this uh, we've, as Charlotte mentioned, we had about 550 kids here this week from uh, the local schools to learn about birding. And it was, it was just amazing. And we're seeing more people at the festival this, this year. And especially, I'm especially happy about seeing more kids at the festival this year. Well, for folks who can't make it up here to Freeport, Maine, uh, Lori, uh, will be, they'll be glad to know that L.L. Bean has uh, locations in or coming to 18 other states. And there are lots yes. of adventures available yes. at those places, yes. right? Yes, our outdoor discovery schools just do a wonderful job of getting people outdoors with a variety of uh, activities. So it's a great place. For only $25, you can really start getting outdoors and on, a, on a guided trip. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great opportunity. All right, Laurie Gilman, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and, and Charlotte Wasilek. Do we want to say a? All right, calm down now. We want to say, we want to say a quick hello to uh, some of our newest ambassadors, uh, our Talking Birds ambassadors, spreading the word about our show all over the place, including Dylan Bartles in Orange City, Iowa who's now working at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge in South Dakota, has been listening to Talking Birds since last summer and is spreading the word now to folks uh, in Iowa and I imagine in South Dakota as well. Also want to say thanks to Tom Hart in Dedham, Massachusetts, who's been listening to Talking Birds, he says, for several years and says he's learned a great deal about birds along the way. Thank you for listening, Tom and for joining our ambassadors program and for spreading the word uh, at the gardening uh, place there, the gardening folks at the Endicott Estate in Dedham, Massachusetts. Talking Birds listeners, wherever you are, we hope you'll consider joining our ambassadors program and handing out some of our cards to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click the contact button at Talking Birds com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Uh, meanwhile, a quick hello to one of our listeners across the pond, Graham McCubrey, who wrote us to say that he's been away from our show for a while due to illness, but that he's recovering and is tuning in once again to Talking Birds somewhere in County Down, Ireland. So thank you so much, Graham. Coming along in a little bit in our show, it's our mystery bird contest. And just so you'll be prepared to call in for that, we're going to give you a little preview here and a couple of clues uh, concerning our mystery bird. Let's, uh, we, we have a kind of a primitive setup, but you can get the idea of what our mystery bird sounds like. Here it comes. There he is, a beautiful sounding uh, songbird, if there ever was one. Our bird is pretty much gray all over, but with black wings and tail and white tail patches and a rather long pointed bill. It's a large songbird found in the high mountain regions of the American West where it feeds on large pine seeds. A little uh, preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in the show. And um, give us a call when we get ready to do the contest. But we'll give you the number right now so you'll be prepared. 
And it's 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with wildlife biologist Adrienne Leppold about her exciting and important bird-related projects here in the state of Maine. We'll also catch up with our man Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Bird Watchers General Store. We'll sound off on the pros and cons of adding hot pepper to your bird seed to discourage those pesky squirrels. That's in our Let's Ask Mike live segment. And up next, a bird that Mike sought out and found on his recent trip to Bend, Oregon, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. How much wood does a woodpecker pack when a woodpecker packs on wood? When the woodpecker packs, that woodpecker packs as much wood as it should pack wood. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend is a woodpecker. But it doesn't really do a lot of that woodpecking stuff. Instead, it gleans insects from the surface of tree bark or flies out to grab them as a flycatcher does. There's no record of this bird having been dipped in raspberry juice, but it looks like it has been, with a striking pale red belly to go with its red face, gray collar, black upper parts and hood, and greenish-black wings, back and tail. It was named for one of the two famous members of the great early 19th century expedition to explore and map newly acquired U.S. territory. The member was Captain Meriwether Lewis, part of the Lewis and Clark duo. The bird is the Lewis's woodpecker. Here's its typical chattering sound. It's churring calls, often heard in mating season. And it's uncommonly heard drumming. In addition to insects, it also feeds on berries and nuts, and will sometimes shell and store nuts in cracks and holes in wood for winter use and it will come to open, flat bird feeders where it's known to behave rather aggressively toward other birds. This large woodpecker, about 10 to 11 inches in length, is a bird of the open woodlands west of the Great Plains, whose slow, deliberate flight is unlike that of a typical woodpecker's undulating pattern with fast wing beats, and more like that of a crow. In fact, it's known to some as the crow woodpecker. It's even been observed soaring in circles as high as 500 feet with the ease of a falcon, not flapping its wings at all. A most unusual woodpecker, Melanerpes lewis. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, Lewis's woodpecker. Thanks again for being with us here. It's our show number uh, 628. We're live here from the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival in Freeport, Maine. Well, Adrian Leppold is a wildlife biologist in the bird group at the Maine Department of Island Fisheries and Wildlife, and she is joining us here in the Outdoor Discovery Center, just inside the main entrance to L.L. Bean's flagship store in Freeport, Maine. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, Ray. One of the projects you're working on is a really important one, the creation of a breeding bird atlas for the state of Maine. Tell us about it, if you would, and uh, how you put it together and why. 
Well, we're still in the process of putting it together. Um, so 2017 is kind of our planning year. And the goal of the Atlas is to document the distribution um, and abundance of all breeding species of birds in the state of Maine across the entire state. And these have been done in a lot of other states. We're sort of behind the curve a little bit. The national or international recommendation is actually to do one every 20 years and we're 33 years overdue for our second breeding bird atlas so this is a big um, project that will hopefully tell us a lot a lot can change in 33 years uh, and so there's definitely going to be species that have expanded or contracted their range we may get species in the state that never bred before that we didn't know about Tell us some of the techniques and how, how citizen scientists uh, get involved in the program. So the citizen science aspect is the biggest piece. The success of this project is going to be solely dependent on all of you out there, whoever come to Maine and Bird, to contribute to this project. Um, and it really is just going out there and observing birds as you might normally and just documenting species and um, recording information about their behavior. So whether a bird's singing or whether you see it feeding young or you find a nest, that kind of information is all going to be put together in this five-year period from 2018 to 2022 that we'll be collecting data. Do you have any inkling other than the fact that you say maybe some uh, new birds breeding here about what, what the status is going to be? Many birds. Well, we definitely know um, there are a number of birds range-wide that are documented in decline, um, and there are a number that are stable. And so that's one of the things that we're hoping to identify. And one of the big things out of this project that we want to do is relate bird occurrence to the habitat so that we can use this information to make kind of on-the-ground conservation management decisions. So... Um other things you're studying, and this kind of plays into what you were just talking about, about some birds being in decline, you're studying rusty blackbirds, which have diminished something like 90% over the past, I don't know how many years, but maybe the past few decades or so. And um, Bicknell's thrush also, which really has a pretty limited range, so it has a difficult time um, just for that reason. Yes, so both of those species can actually be somewhat common in Maine if you are interested or willing to trudge around spruce fir swamps and high mountain areas for Bicknell's thrush. So a lot of people don't get out into those habitats to see or find these birds, um, but that's a big part of our project. The rusty blackbirds, we're going out and finding nests, and I'm actually leaving tomorrow for um, a follow-up with some birds to collect data from the adults and the nestlings to get information about their um, genetics and also about their overall health and condition. And that's especially important because if I understand correctly, this 90% drop is not really understood. It's not really, no one seems to know why it's been so precipitous. We're in the process of putting pieces of the puzzle together. Um, right now, some of the speculation is there could be some changes happening on the wintering grounds. We know in Maine, and this is one of the things that the Atlas will really document for all of our breeding species, we know in Maine, rusty blackbirds range in Maine has retracted um, a lot over the last 20 years. They, they used to be much more widely distributed, and a lot of that could be 
due to changing habitat and loss of habitat, climate change related occurrences, things like that. And you have some good news about some funding, I think, for the Breeding Bird Atlas, am I right? At least preliminarily? Yep, so we, we are getting started. Um, we have some federal funding that is available and approved for us to use for this project to get us started. So tax dollars from um, purchases, <coughs> excuse me, of sporting arms and ammunition actually fund a lot of our research projects. The catch is, is that we have to match those dollars. And so we also have um, some fundraising opportunities here. We have Maine Birder Band back here in the corner. And so that those kinds of funds that come in help uh, provide us that match so that we can get the federal dollars to actually do these projects and do this research. You mentioned about citizen scientists and ordinary folks getting involved. What's the easiest way for them to do that or, or find out what to do? So right now, for those of you here in person, I have a sign-up sheet in the back. Um, since we're still in the planning stages, we're getting our website is under construction. That's definitely going to be the main point of contact. But for now, if people just stay connected to mefishwildlife.com, whenever we get the project really up and running in the face of the project there, people will be able to connect with us. And this goes for people who don't necessarily live in Maine either, right? Who come to vacation land here. Oh, absolutely. That's a great point. We have so many people and people visit, you know, even just right over the border in Massachusetts and New Hampshire and other New England states. Any species that you observe in Maine, we are going to be interested in hearing about during this data collection period. Adrian Leppold, ladies and gentlemen, wildlife biologist in the bird group at the Maine Department of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. Adrian, thanks so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's see. We're moving along here on our show. If you just tuned in, we're live from the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival here in beautiful Freeport, Maine. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we're getting ready to go to the Galapagos Islands. We'll be heading there in September, and we're inviting Talking Birds listeners to join us for this trip of a lifetime with one of the best small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. More cabins have been added, but this trip will be sold out, so don't hesitate. Travel with us to one of the most amazing places in the world, home to abundant and approachable wildlife, including birds that are found nowhere else on Earth, even Galapagos penguins with whom we'll snorkel. They're the islands where Charles Darwin's research led to the groundbreaking theory of the origin of species. And we'll be there during the season when sunshine is abundant and birds and mammals are most active. Galapagos veterans rave about our tour's itinerary. We'll see places and creatures that other tours don't. I'll be your host for this unforgettable trip, along with expert local guides. Please join us. It's easy to find out more at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Right before we get into the mystery bird contest, I uh, want to give a little shout out and recognize our, our friend Doug Hitchcock from Maine Audubon in the audience here this morning. He's also on the Breeding Bird Atlas Steering Committee. And if you're on radio, I wish you could have seen Doug's expression just then when we just said that. And uh, Eric Topper, I want to say hello to Eric and thank you, Eric, for being here with us. So it's our mystery bird contest. If you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds, within the last six months, you are eligible to uh, actually partake in our contest and tell us what the mystery bird is or uh, take a guess. Our prize is always a beautiful thing, and today it's the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. 
not very hospitable for house sparrows, uh, which have difficulty hanging by their feet, but great for other birds that you'd love to see at your feeder, like goldfinches and chickadees and nuthatches. Here's our number, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And we want you to tell us what the bird is or take a guess, because if no correct answer is received, there'll be a winner anyhow, because we'll do a drawing and uh, determine a winner. Here is the sound of our mystery bird. That is so beautiful. I wish we could hear more. Our mystery bird is uh, pretty much gray all over, but with black wings and tail and white tail patches and a kind of a long-pointed bill. It's a large songbird, and it's found in the high mountain regions of the American West, where it feeds on large pine seeds. It's known, like its corvid relatives, for being highly intelligent and possessed of an amazing ability to remember where it has stored those seeds for later retrieval. That would be our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Someone is frantically waving here in the audience who apparently uh, has decided they know. Don't yell it out. We'll be in trouble. Okay. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk in a moment. 781-837-4900 uh, is the number to call if you think you know what the mystery bird is. Oh, I see we're getting one of our audience members is calling in. I get it now. Okay. So that's our mystery bird contest, 781-837-4900. Uh, meanwhile, out in the backyard, everybody has problems with squirrels, right? It's like the, it's the great uh, bugaboo of birding and the bird feeding in the backyard. Some people say you should feed uh, or mix hot pepper, red pepper, in with your bird seed to discourage the squirrels. We'll find out what Mike O'Connor thinks about that. Uh, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Well, in place of the uh, music that we usually play for Mike O'Connor, maybe we could have some applause here from our audience at L.L. Bean uh, as a way of welcoming Mike to the show. He better you know, be there. I'll take that applause, Ray, because it's kind of an exciting day here on Cape Cod. This is our 34th anniversary of being in business. Wow, 34th anniversary. Wow. Right. Congrats. Congratulations. Have, so, have you had any customers yet? Yeah. the video. How about that? <laughs> right. And, and Hollywood video. All of those <laughs> things. Wow. Well, uh, I'm glad that that's a great uh, anniversary, Mike. And um, we're up here in a beautiful place as well. L.L. Bean, which has been around for a couple of years as well, as you know. Yeah, but so, uh, me with... favor. Go in and ask one of, the, your, one of the people that you know at L.L. Bean's. Go in and tell them they're missing a big marketing opportunity. They should sell L.L. Beans beans. They should sell beans there. 
I went in the other last year to try to buy some, and they don't sell beans at all. I think that would be a good thing for them. Pass that on. We are we're, no yeah. charge. We're, we're writing writing this down. LL Bean beans. Uh, okay, I got yeah, it. All right, I'm product. sure. I'm sure they'll implement that. Well, how about this other product? The product of hot pepper. I don't think they sell that here <laughs> at LL Bean. <laughs> they probably don't. This is a thing that was popular or tried to be popular about. I don't know, 20 years ago, and it seems to be popping up again. There used to be this product called Squirrel Away, which was a hot capsaicin pepper that people would mix in with their bird seed. And um, people asked about it, but talking to my customers, it wasn't very effective. And now people are talking about it again. There's another company that uh, actually, instead of mixing, you mix it in, and they mix it in for you. They spray it on the bird seed. And in an effort to keep the squirrels from eating it, because the birds don't have the same uh, sensory receptors in their mouth that the, that we do or, or mammals do, so the birds typically don't even know it's there. So they eat the seed, no problem. And then the, when the squirrels do it, they feel the pain just like you eating a uh, hot sauce, and they tend to avoid it. That's kind of the good news. The, the the bad news is a lot of organizations aren't thrilled with that. The Humane Society, you know, your friends at Cornell, really aren't excited about this kind of product. The other thing is it's very expensive. It's like triple the cost of normal bird seed. So my advice is even though they don't, they're not sure if it hurts birds, it probably doesn't, but they, they just tell you you're better off not adding anything to your bird seed, and you're better off investing. It would cost you a lot less money just to go out and buy one of the squirrel-proof bird feeders. I know people laugh at that, but there are a number of those on the market that have been very effective in recent years, and it, you would you would save yourself some money just by putting ordinary bread seed, usually sunflower seed would be the better choice, one of these very popular squirrel-proof feeders, and not really invest in high, expensive, pepper-added added bread <laughs> seed. That's yeah. my advice on that one. That is your advice. Well, it must be correct, then, if it's your advice. But I just want one other question. Do birds sneeze? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they so turns you... out they're allergic to bird seed. Nobody knew that. Okay. <laughs> I thought I had you stumped there for a minute. Okay, down on on the red pepper. Mike, uh, thank you and congratulations again on your 34th anniversary at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. And we'll talk to you next week, Mike. Yeah, have fun and Ray May. Thanks a lot. And we're back here now at the Mystery Bird Contest. Our number is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Um, Jesse, if we can, could we hear again the sound of our mystery bird? Well, we could listen to that all morning, right and well into the afternoon. Our mystery bird, pretty much gray all over, but with black wings and tail and white tail patches and a rather long pointed bill. It's a large songbird and found in the high mountain regions of the American West, where it feeds on large pine seeds. It's known as are uh, its corvid relatives for being very intelligent for a bird and possessed of amazing ability to remember where it has stored those seeds for later retrieval. That would be our mystery bird, and our prize is that beautiful Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we have uh, somebody we mentioned just a little while ago who just became a Talking Birds ambassador. It's Dylan, and he is out there, if I have this right, in Platte, South Dakota. Good morning, Dylan. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Say hello to the folks Good. here at L.O. Bean and Freeport, Maine. Hey, hello, Bean. 
Yeah, I, I agree. You guys should make beans. That'd be cool. So. Well, listen, thank but, you. Uh, let me thank you the air for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador, Dylan, and for uh, calling in. You're actually from Iowa, but you're working in South Dakota. Am I, do I have it right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. What's what's, <laughs> what's the place there? You're at, the, uh, the name of the place you're, you're working at in South Dakota. So I work at the Lake Andes National Wildlife Refuge, um, and it's also a uh, wetland management district. So we have waterfowl production areas all around, um, and then we go and manage those mostly. So, yeah, it's a really cool place, and I don't think South Dakota gets enough credit for how beautiful it is. So if you ever get the chance, you should come on out and visit. But All right. Yeah. Uh, it sounds a great idea to me. What about our mystery bird there, Dylan? Is it the Clark's Nutcracker? I think it might be the Clark's Nutcracker. Applause from the audience. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> Hey, congratulations. You're absolutely right. Dylan, stay in the line, and uh, in case we don't have your address already, we'll get it and send you that right. Real Yankees feed. Thank you so much, Dylan. All right, the Clark's Nutcracker, our mystery bird. They say that this show goes by really fast, and apparently it's true because we are out of time. Thank you, everybody, for coming to our show here at L.O. Bean and for listening. The executive producer of Talking Birds is Mark Duffield. Our associate producer, Debbie Bleacher, our engineer... Jesse Wilkins, I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.